0: How awesome is it that I can drink and talk to Judd Apatow at five in the afternoon. This is this is a bit, this I is know. what you've always wanted. And people say I've been mean to Jesus, but <laughs> <laughs> the the man does not take offense, apparently. Yes. <laughs> so do you have a drink? I do I have a drink, right here. Oh you do, good. I'm joining you. You know, my parents used to <laughs> watch the clock like kids in school waiting for yeah. the bell to ring. Yeah. Because like before five you're a fucking drunk. And after five, it's cocktails. They hit it hard. People in that, that's the madman era. They yeah. fucking drank. I yeah. don't know if that's your parents. My dad will do that. But not before five. How far would it go? Well, my father was Irish, shall we yeah. say. He was tense in his job. He was a yeah. newsman. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, in the days when you had to read the news, like, with a stopwatch, because yeah. it was live on the yeah. hour on the radio station. Yeah. <laughs> it was a tense job. Yeah. The best conversation I ever had with him was when I was in college and I was stoned and he was drunk, you know. Uh, But he was never somebody who didn't function or was drunk on the job. He just like, you get home and, boy, you need to unwind, you know. And did he mind you unwinding? (laughs) He was so fucking naive about it. Yeah. One time, my friend, and this is the first year I'm smoking pot, what year is this, Bill? This is 1975. And you're 12. 19. <laughs> 19. And, uh,
1: 19 is the first time you smoked yes, pot? Yeah, I, I smoked didn't... pot in sixth grade, Bill. Look at me. I'm the straight one between us. You smoked pot in sixth grade? My best friend, Ronnie Garner, his brother followed the dead, and he grew pot in his room. And so one day we said, let's smoke that pot. Because we were young animals, and no one was paying attention to us. We were like latchkey kids. And so we were so scared, we went to where they were building condominiums, like half-built condominiums, like a horror movie. And like, we like, took like one puff each, and then a security guard was like, hey, you! And we ran for like seven miles. I don't think the guy even turned and took a step. But, and then that was it for a couple of years.
0: Young Animals, by the way, is a good title for you. Yes. For something, right? Yeah. Young Animals. I haven't written that movie yet. The sixth, seventh grade year. I would, <laughs> I would go right around the title. I would just go right for the title, Judd. But uh, so listen to this story. My, I'm 19. We're, my first year, you know, I literally would, like, my friend would, when I was home, you know, from on vacation, Yeah. from uh, my wonderful time at Cornell. Okay, so I'd be with my friend. He was the one who introduced me to the pod high school friend. He would come over, and we would smoke, like, in the car, in the driveway, and then sit in the driveway for an hour because we were just laughing at the glove compartment. I mean, that first year, the drug worked so well, at least it did for me, Mm -hmm. especially as a laugh drug, that you're just hysterical, almost like what mushrooms would be. Uh, later in life, you know, you, mushrooms is always a laughing drug. But one time, we, it was the dead of winter. I was home winter vacation, and we're driving, smoking in the car, doing bongs. We had a little bong. We'd do it at yeah. traffic lights. Yeah, we didn't know. Well, I could have been in jail now. Mm-hmm. So uh, we rolled down. I say rolled down all the windows when you had to roll them down yeah. in the Pontiac, yeah. Dad's Pontiac, because... You gotta air out the car. No seat belts? No seat belts. No airbags. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nothing, just our wits. Mm-hmm. And here's our wits, besides smoking at red lights. So I say, roll down all the windows to, to air out the car before we get home. It's like 10 degrees out. We pull in, we forgot about the windows. Mm-hmm. So my father shoveling yeah. snow, he comes over <laughs> and he says, it's 10 degrees out. Why are the windows all rolled down? <laughs> And any other father who wasn't, yeah. like, so trusting in his son would have known why. Yeah. And I just said, oh, uh, he farted. <laughs> you know what the, the lesson I learned? that, that was it. Your dad was a terrible
1: journalist. <laughs> 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 he didn't sniff that out at all. But <laughs> you're right.
0: When it came to his kids, he was very naive that way. Yeah. You know, he was just, you know, a good heart and trusting and stuff. But, you know, speaking of family, I have to say, your kid so killed it. On Euphoria this year, I know it's must say, such a proud papa. That, oh, so so proud! And, I, it seems like just yesterday she was saying "fuck you, mom," and this is forty. <laughs> exactly. That was preparation for Euphoria. <laughs> you could see the stage. No, but she's day. a nice one. Yes, I mean, nice and one. she she really they made her a gave her a big part that it was she was fantastic. I'm boy. What, what I liked, liked about Levy. the show is it
1: was like two years. The first two years was all leading to this idea. Kind of of him showing, you know, why they're all messed up and traumatized yeah. and the grief they have, and, and uh, it was really beautiful. I, I, just as, a, as a, someone who likes good television and cinema... To even get to have a little peek of what they're doing is By the way, that,
0: that's some high school play that that yeah. high school can put on, huh?
1: Exactly. Well, it's a, <laughs> it's a surreal experience. <laughs> no. I mean,
0: of course, you can't. It's, it's like Apocalypse Now. Yeah. yeah. If you if you took that movie, yeah. as people remember at the time compared it to Platoon, it's like, mm-hmm. no, Platoon is not a comedy. Yeah. This is say black comedy. If yeah. you don't see it that way, mm-hmm. it's not, like, and it's kind of the same thing with the, no high school play could ever look like that you just go with it mm-hmm. because it's so entertaining and it makes the art good and i mean it was uh, he's quite a uh, talent <clears> that levinson yeah. right and and, uh, and it's fun
1: to watch maude you know preparing because as a parent you know she's telling you what work was like that day and so she's like oh i hope uh, i hope i did a good job i had to cry a lot today And that's all you really know of what the day was. And then you see it, and it's the most beautiful, intense scene. And it's not at all like her description of it
0: when she's coming home. So many um, kids of, you know, stars or uh, directors. Newsmen. (laughs) No, newsman doesn't really care. Well, it does a little. Sure, look at what you did. Right. And he was funny. Yeah. Uh, That's, uh, I saw the, oh, I saw the first part of your Carlin. Yes. It's so fantastic. The George Carlin documentary, which will be out in May. May, on on HBO. HBO. Yes. Okay, it's amazing. I mean, you don't even have to love Carlin to begin with, but if you do, of course, it's even more amazing. But it's just, I think everybody knows. I mean, your show there, and I've seen it also a lot, he's still quoted tons on social media. Every week he trends and he's been dead for like 15 years. That's so rare, especially among the younger generations who were not like us, who don't, like we cared about older people and even if they weren't around anymore, if they were interesting, whereas I feel like the younger generations, it's like if you're not around while I'm around, you don't exist. So for Carlin to be like still trending, it's, it's amazing. Because he has the perfect bit for
1: everything that's happening all the time. And it doesn't matter what comes up. He has something about it. Over the span of the career, yeah. Yeah, over 30 years he, he hit
0: big government, big pharma, wokeness. I mean, there's a, there's a right. bit for every subject. But his, yeah. I noticed you showed that his father, even though he was such a rotten guy and he mm-hmm. was dead, gone by the time he, George was eight, right? By but, like one, I think. No, I think he was around yeah. because George complained about him. I think he saw him a teeny bit. Yeah. But he was a monster to the mother. Yes. But he says he was very funny. He was funny. He was. And this is such a common chord, right, with yeah. comics. The father yeah. is like a living room comedian. The father's funny but not professional funny. And yeah. the kid, so yeah. many comics have that story in them. Sure, my dad had all the cosby records and the Lenny oh. bruce records and was he funny and he was it's funny he made his I, friends
1: laugh but on some level like he just put in me that like comedy was an incredibly great thing like he loved right. it so much that's yeah. what we had out like oh you have to listen to this, this and is your the parents great stuff. were together for a little while oh not yeah. for all time until like end <laughs> uh, of uh, junior high oh which for my high you know my high school is pretty good one by one, every kid's parents got divorced, and you would move from your house into, like, the Hidden Ridge condominiums. Everyone would switch over See, that shows divorce. we
0: are not exactly the same generation. Yeah. Because my experience is not that at all. No, no one, one got divorced. No. <laughs> Suicide oh, no. was rather high. Yeah. And the, <laughs> just to get out of it. Dad would be in the <laughs> swimming pool. Yeah. Seriously. Before he would leave. Yeah. <laughs> Because he couldn't yeah. leave. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, honestly, yeah. that was not that uncommon. That's the New Jersey, Jersey way. Remember in Mad Men? Yeah. There was the character, the neighbor mm-hmm. lady. There's a lady who's like a single mom. She's got that kid, Glenn, who yeah. has a crush on yes. John yeah. Hamm's wife mm-hmm. and kind of a creepy kid. On Mad Men, yeah. On Mad Men, yeah. 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 Well, she was like a pariah in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. This is the 60s. Yeah. Because you were in high school, what, in early 70s? Yes. I, freshman year was 70. I graduated in 74. Yeah. What? What? I graduated in 85. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we're like a decade. And that decade is the difference between a boomer and a Gen Xer. Yeah. But right. very different times. Very different. Because you, you experienced the Beatles. Mm. A little bit. I was... The end, I was old enough to know what I was experiencing. Let me rephrase it. You experienced the Plastic Band. <laughs> 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 the Plastic Ono Band. Boy, they were pretty terrible. There's a couple of killers there. What? Isn't that Mother? Isn't Mother Plastic no. Band? Oh, okay. You know what? I'm. Yes, I'm thinking, yes, if you want to be technical, his first two uh, solo albums yeah. were the Plastigona, but they're John Lennon albums. Yeah. I think of the Plastigona band as the gang that went up to Toronto with no yeah. rehearsal, Eric Clapton and Klaus Mormon and yeah. Yoko and uh, played like Cold Turkey, which is a horrible song. Yeah. Um, he never did the big tour, John Lennon. no. He hosted the Mike Douglas show because there's a clip in the George Carlin documentary
1: where he's talking about changing from like a corny comedian to an edgy comedian. And then you
0: reveal the other guests on the Mike Douglas show are John Lennon and Yoko Ono. You know what got me more than anything? Well, two things. One, when he says, um, when he's first like really hitting it big and he says, the thrill of getting caught in your own traffic. I've had that experience where you're coming to the theater or trying to leave the theater where you're playing, and there's a huge traffic jam, because they came to see you. There's yeah. a crowd. I have not had that, but I, I decided well, you to could. hear you. Out. I could. You could. I'd have to.
1: Okay. I'd have to create fewer lines of traffic to get in to create that. <laughs> well,
0: I, I mean, <laughs> no, but what, no. You, you. What you know? What there's very few directors. And there's one coming a little later. I hope you stay a little and say hi. Uh, who are famous. It's very hard to become famous yeah. just from being a director. You know, I'm talking to the public. Yes. Like, the man in the street knows your name like he knows Spielberg's, like he knows Quentin's name. Like, but it's not a lot. I mean, you say to the man in the street, you know, I, I don't know, name some directors. Scorsese, they know that name. Yeah but it's rare and they know his face and you know he's like a celebrity that's a rare thing yeah so get out there and sell some tickets yeah well that's his. (laughs) I mean I also do
1: you know I do some stand up and I actually only direct to get
0: better spots at the improv (laughs) Club Random is supported by Signal Wire ever been on a typical video conferencing call with a bunch of people it's impossible to understand anybody especially if they're all talking at once You don't believe me? Remember what it was like the last time a bunch of you tried to do an intervention for a family member on a video call? Nobody was in sync. Uncle Al's still a mess. That's because the latency sucks. Signal Wire has virtually zero audio and video latency, so you can see and hear others in real time. The guys behind Signal Wire are the same developers that pioneered the tech that enabled cloud phone systems, Zoom, and the Ring doorbell years ago. But since then, the technology has gotten so much better that they developed their own next-generation platform. SignalWire's advanced communications platform allows product builders and developers to create more natural, real-time, interactive experiences. With SignalWire, everything from simple one-to-one video calls to interactive broadcasts with thousands of participants can be easily integrated into any app. Product or website, and the video and audio quality is far superior and uses less bandwidth, so users' computers don't freeze up. It's been the top choice of TV and film studios for remote looping and audio recording. Imagine turbocharging your company's website or app or other products by integrating SignalWire into the mix. Visit signalwire.com/video to sign up for a free account and mention. Bill Maher, or Club Random to receive an additional 5,000 video minutes for testing your app or integration. Go to SignalWire.com video. Integrate real-time video and audio into your app, product, or website, and be light years ahead with SignalWire. Go to SignalWire.com video today. Comics, as you well know, are bitter <laughs> fucks, <laughs> and one of the things we're bitter about is how <laughs> shitty we were treated. Yeah. When we began, yeah. I mean, there were times when I uh, was promised money and got stiffed. I can think of two. Not that they burned in my mind forty years later, yeah. but one was the comedy works in Philadelphia. He said he would send me an excuse me check for a hundred. Even that didn't come. Okay, it doesn't matter. I've forgotten all about it. Uh, <laughs> and there was another one. I played in a disco. Oh my God! I was supposed to get thirty dollars. Sure. To be in a disco, which, let's just say, that wasn't a great gig to begin with. Never got that. And then, of course, they would just cheat you out of money when we had to have a strike. This is uh, like 79. The, the, the comedy right? store strike. Comedy store strike, and also we had a union thing in L.A. My book, yeah. uh, I wrote one novel about my beginnings. And mm-hmm. It's called True Story. Um, you know, Ben almost made it into a movie yeah. way back in the day, but then other things happened. But, um, you know, that, the political spine of that is the nascent union m- movement. There was a group of comedians who felt, this is a showcase club. Yeah. We stink, and we're allowed to stink, and the, you don't pay us. And <laughs> in response, we don't feel <laughs> any obligation to be any good. Yeah. Because we're, yeah. we're working it out. But the place is packed exactly. and making a fortune. That's the other argument. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, which
1: side were you on? Well that was a, little, a couple of years before my time, but I know
0: that uh, it was ugly like you know it, it, the, the, my book uh, the plot is is about me and my best friend, this comedian you wouldn't have know him and that kind of split us apart you know I thought he was a guy who was never going to make it as a comedian he was not he was a funny witty guy Irishman, but he was not overly burdened with mm-hmm. talent for the stage. Yeah, A little corny, a little, bef- you know, a little, not ahead of his time, behind it. yeah. And I thought he used the excuse of, let's all be, you know, in solidarity and quit if you don't get paid. It's like, well, you're not going to make it anyway. You don't care if you get paid. Whereas, I'm going to fucking beat out you other motherfuckers. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> so, I am willing yeah. to eat shit now. For what this club sure. is giving me. Uh, and so, and I kind of stand by that. Not that we shouldn't have gotten something. We, did, we got cab fare, but, you know, I was terrible. I shouldn't have been paid, <laughs> you know? And I, I feel and people like... people crossed that picket line. There were people who crossed the picket line. There was line. no picket line in New York. Yeah. I would not have crossed oh, the... Oh, that was in New York. In L.A., there were people who, who Mitzi got to yeah, keep working. I would never have crossed the picket line because my father was a big yeah. union guy. And his father... I had my um, genealogy done a few years ago on that show on PBS, you yeah. know, the Skip Gates show. It's fantastic. I refused to do
1: it because uh, they wanted my DNA, and I don't, I'm don't. i not giving it out to anybody. Is that serious? They, maybe they're going to give it to my health insurance people. Maybe they're going to clone me after I'm dead. I'm not giving Gates my personal genetic information. Did I? Yes, he has it. He... He could build you in a lab at this it?
0: He can make a Bill Maher ear. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what's, that's no skin off my nose. <laughs> oh, maybe it is. Um, no, what, why is that? Why would that? I don't me? like people that... I don't know. You know what? It's so funny, like, the things that
1: creep you out. Right. And there's no logical reason for it uh, other than it made me think, that feels like the most personal thing I can do to give to strangers
0: and I don't know where all that data is going. So well, I've never now, done 23andMe. Now you're getting me paranoid about it, and you could probably yeah. talk me into that point of view. Anyway, I don't remember the part about my <laughs> DNA. I, I thought they, they just had researchers, yeah, because they, like, went to Ireland. Yeah. I mean, they found my Irish relatives going back to, I think, 1818, you know, mm-hmm. the church where they're born, that kind of stuff. There were records of that. It's fascinating. My grandfather, who I never met, But he was a badass. He was on the front page of the newspapers in, like, 1919, 1920. He was head of the Boatsman's Union. He met with the president, Woodrow Wilson, in the White House to settle this shit. He had the whole New York harbor locked up looking for better wages. I mean, back then, wages were really shit. That's my heritage. My father came from the same Irish, you know, when the Irish ran New York, the the cops and yeah. the Irishmen and all that <laughs> stuff, and he would he would have been heartbroken if I ever crossed any picket line, and I never yeah. would. I mean, I'm pro-union, but unions got corrupt, too. Mm-hmm. That's well, not a lie. You, so you, it's, you're, you're from a long tradition of not taking any shit. Well, <laughs> well certainly my grandfather was a badass. Yeah. I mean, that was mostly what Skip Gates um, concentrated on. And then he brought out a small mouse with my dick on it. Is that was that? Was I'm that <laughs> in ten years Hulu's going to suddenly
1: have a show with a guy very similar to you? <laughs> have you ever seen that with the ear on the mouse? Yes. yes. Well, this is the future. This is they're going to be able to improve little sections of our good? body. I mean,
0: you're not getting any younger. Wouldn't you rather?
1: I'm going to miss ha- it. I'm going to miss it. I can tell. Miss what? Well, like if I was twenty, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to. All these things are happening. Are going to reach me. And they're going to regenerate me, but I'm going to drop dead the day before that
0: kicks in. I, I'm I always sure, say that, too. I say, I don't mind dying. I just don't want to be the last guy to do it. Exactly. You know, don't they, we got the cure. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if they had spare parts, yeah. I mean, we already are part of the way there. Do you know mm-hmm. who Ray Kurzweil is? Yes. You do. Mm-hmm. Of course you do. You know yeah. everything. Well, he predicted a lot of amazing things that came true, like almost to the year of the fall of the Soviet Union among them. Okay. And half man, half robots. Well, that's his thing. It's called the singularity. I know about it. I have nightmares about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, why? It's it's, the, it's it's He says 2028 is when man and machine become fully integrated. No, we're already part the way there yeah. because I, I, I notice when you fill out certain things, it's like, do you have any metal in your body? You know, it's like, they're like... <laughs> and soon that's going to be like... Do you not have any? Are you a yeah. weirdo as no metal in your body?
1: Well now they can put things like on your, your head and have you like type with your thoughts. They're you just beginning to figure type out Type with your thoughts? Yeah, like move a cursor with your mind. So How we're getting closer. But at some point the robots just say, it would be easier without the, the flesh people.
0: <laughs> they just Yeah, well robots. that now that's an interesting debate that people like Musk. Yeah. Elon Musk and maybe it's Bezos have, um, I'm not sure who, but Elon Musk and I believe, and I'm on yeah. the page with him and you, which is that, it's true. Because everything that happens in movies eventually happens. Everything, yes.
1: You know, I was at the, an Oscar party with and Elon uh, Musk and I asked him, <laughs> this is really funny, <laughs> it, was like, it was like maybe 10, 12 years ago, it was before Tesla. And he's he's there. Someone introduces me to him. I don't. I like heard his name, but I don't know who he is. It's before people really knew who he was. Really. And I said,
0: uh, "But you did." Do
1: do I just kind of knew the name that maybe from like right. had. A, did he do PayPal or? Had yeah, yeah, something. And so I just said, "So what are you up to?" And he said, uh, "I'm trying to come up with a spaceship that can fly to Mars and back." <laughs> and I I said to him, and we're both kind of maybe a little drunk. I said. There's no way you're going to figure that out before you die. That's hysterical. I was trying to get him not to innovate. That <laughs> <laughs> I was such a Jew in that moment. I was just like, "You'll never figure it out. Yes.
0: Do something practical." <laughs> That's hysterical. Wow. What? Well, but he is of the mind that, yes, what you what you say that eventually the robots figure out they don't need us. We. I mean, it's disturbing. I feel, in itself, this typing with your mind because yeah. that seems like if you can do that, can't you read someone's mind? I mean, if yeah. I, okay. Or those Google glasses that
1: no one wanted a few years ago because, like, you could be wearing those glasses now but videotaping our conversation without anyone knowing. Those are about to come back, I think. You know, the idea that you yeah, had but...
0: your computer screens on there like Robocop. Yeah, that doesn't bother me as much. I wouldn't use them, but. It's still living in the realm we're living in. It's yeah. sneaky, but we also always have done sneaky things. But getting inside my
1: mind—yeah,
0: uh, <laughs> what's in there, Bill? <laughs> it's, it's, what would they and see? I, we don't know. I hide right. way less than most people. That's true. It's it's me, and then a little bit of a realer me, and then a yeah. little realer realer me, and then public parking. Yeah. And that's <laughs>
1: well. What I would say about random you, is right in the middle. <laughs> what I would say about you, Bill, is that I feel like the thing I really respect is that you mean everything that you say. I never feel like you write a joke to get to the joke that that these are your beliefs, whether you agree or not. Correct. And I think a lot of comedians, they fudge their opinion to get to jokes. And uh, like people want to be taken seriously for their opinions but they also want to
0: say i'm just goofing i don't mean any of it and you have to pick a lane i think and well when you start out first of all you're just trying to get the oxygen of laughter so you'll say anything whether you believe it or not you know yeah or if it's you'll put on a wig Right. (laughs) you're just trying to survive (laughs) but yes as you get better and more sophisticated and yeah that i mean that became much more my brand yeah You know, I feel like that's the bond with my audience. You don't have to agree with me. Um, And many times people don't, or they don't fully. Um, I mean, I always appreciate when someone says, I always agree with you. I'm like, there's a true fact. But no, many I I love just as much people who say, you know, I don't always agree with you. But they appreciate that. They respect that. And that's the thing I won't break. Because then you, you know, you got to stick with your brand. (laughs) Right? (laughs) But... uh, Interestingly, in the Carlin thing, Mm -hmm. he says at one point uh, when he's making the transition from sellout, you know, that person who needs the oxygen of laughter and money in his case, Mm -hmm. he's on the Kraft musical. I mean, see him with John Davidson. Yeah. We're in A in the sweater. Other, and, Richard, and the other comic is Richard Pryor. We're they're, in the same sweater. we are the two, like, you know, fucking, oh, that's sad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's not sad. It's like everybody's career in show business. you yeah. got to fucking eat shit. Yeah. Even Pryor and Carlin ate <laughs> shit on the crap <laughs> musical. Yeah. It's almost uplifting. Yeah. And they're singing. They're yes. literally in, like, variety show singing numbers. But he says, when he switches up, he says, yeah, I'm playing to, like, 40-year-olds. In nightclubs, you know, and they're not digging it. I, I realized I had to go for the college crowd. Yeah. If a comic was like super honest, like him today, yeah. the last place they would go yeah. is the colleges. Colleges is where <laughs> even Jerry Seinfeld won't play colleges, right? You, you know all about that. I, I've heard that he said uh, yes. it's not his place to play. I remember doing a whole thing about, yeah. like, it was Jerry Seinfeld said it, Chris Rock said it, mm-hmm. and Larry the Cable Guy. So you play colleges. A black <laughs> Jew and a redneck walk yeah. into a college and none of them want to tell any jokes yeah. to these little pricks <laughs> to whom nothing is funny. Yeah. And, uh, Yeah. I mean, do I play co- I would yeah. be the last one to be able—I mean, I would be—they would protest before I got to the college. Yeah. I wouldn't even be able to walk on the stage, yeah. let alone survive. I mean, they would not agree with one premise, yeah. uh, probably, that I had to say. Unless it was like, Trump is an asshole. Yes, we can all agree Trump is an asshole. There's an easy one. Yeah, depending, I guess, where the college is. Mm. True. I'm sure there are colleges, you know, in Texas and fucking places like that. Because I used to book the colleges when I first met you. I booked you to college. Thank you for getting me back to my point of 20 (laughs) minutes ago, which is why comedians are bitter, because we don't get paid well. But I remember to this day, as well as the ones who didn't pay me, that you paid me $500 at a time when that was not a common, that was a good payday. Yeah. A good payday. In town, in yeah. L.A. In L.A. You picked yeah. me up. I picked you up. Do you remember the car that I
1: was driving? Yeah. I'm sure I was driving a Jeep, I think. Is this 89? Yeah, it could have been a Volkswagen also. I'm not sure. No, this was probably like, yeah, 87, 88. 87. So you were just two yeah. years out of high school. But I was I was booking shows yes. to get spots. So I booked UC Santa Barbara. I booked USC when I was going there. And then occasionally people would ask me to book things, and then I would... Uh, book people I admired, and then force you to drive in a car with me and talk to me?
0: Well, <laughs> I remember thinking, I mean, I must say, I have a pretty good eye for spotting a, a, a talent. It takes, ta- takes a big talent to spot a big yeah. talent, I always say. Uh, no, I don't really say that, but it made me feel good. But you, I thought from the very beginning, I think this kid definitely... This this kid is going somewhere. I'm not sure where, but he is just too far along for his age. Your level of knowledge, I remember about comedy, yeah. was a, and you know I was so, crazy. I mean, so the, whatever like, happened Well, this book? <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Segue. Well, you know, I uh, well, uh, sicker well, in the head. Say, you know, Most I, people are listening to this, not hearing it yeah. and watching it. So oh, let okay. me see it. Right. Well, I, uh, I, I, I hold I, it I up to my up. ear.
1: There you go. Like when I was a kid in high school, I would interview comedians because I wanted to know about comedy. And then I I'd put know. out these books for charity for Dave Eggers' 826 oh, charity. Oh, is this
0: more? I'm, you have a yeah. this is like a part two, right? This is part two. Oh, I
1: see. I got right. You know, Letterman's in there. Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, Nathan Sacha. Fielder, Whoopi Goldberg. Who's that? Nathan, for you. Have you not seen Nathan for you? No. Oh, you'd love it. Okay, put it on. Put it in your oh. queue. Uh, I mean. I'm going to read that one. But there. I was in always obsessed with talking to comedians, and it was fun for this to talk to people because it was during the pandemic and everyone was home. So I got Letterman on the phone to talk
0: for a couple of hours about what it was like. Well, you got to Letterman to talk on the phone because you're you are who you are now. Um, it couldn't have been that yeah. easy in 1987, no. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you still did it. I still you did still it. got to, you talk to all these people. Yeah. Well,
1: no one wanted to talk to anyone back then. I mean, the thing is, if you called Jerry Seinfeld in 1983 to do a long interview. He had never done one ever. Right. I mean, no one, <laughs> yeah. no one did like hour interviews with comics back then. They, right. they, was, they, did, they weren't really on the radio. They weren't in the newspaper.
0: There was no podcast. There was no internet. So, yeah, it, it's people were. I mean, that story of, that Paul Reiser tells. Yeah. But he comes to his house, George Carlin. George Carlin came to his house to you do know, an interview with his sister for her right. college radio I mean, stage. and he was well known by then. I mean, yeah. he wasn't a newcomer. It was just people, yeah. you know, people who didn't used to be so paranoid. It, yeah. You know that, like, in, in Lincoln's time, well, of course, Lincoln had a bad experience with this, but, like, you know, you could just roll up on the president. You could knock yeah. on the White House door. Yeah. Elvis <laughs> did it. What? Elvis did it? No. <laughs> that wasn't an appointment. He showed up. I know, but he was stopped <laughs> before he went in. He, he, he didn't just walk up. There was no, there was no gate back then. Yeah. It was just the White House. It was just yeah. a house in the neighborhood. You know? If you, if you it, had the right cape, you were in there. That's, and uh, a badge. Didn't they give him a badge? There's a picture that hanging in the bathroom in there yeah. of Elvis and that day. Well, I mean, it just shows the power of celebrity. Yeah. You know. I mean, you can celebrity your way into or out of so much. Yeah. It's not right. I'm not saying it's right. It's horrible. And yet, come on. I mean, I'm sure you've done it.
1: My my level of celebrity not, is so perfectly low. Oh, it's, it's I mean, it's fantastic. I remember going to You've sushi. never
0: gotten a table at a restaurant because... It's, you know
1: what? Here's the thing. At direct. my level, it's like one in six that it's going to happen. And it's worth it, and I'll take the shot every time. Then
0: you need to get a better assistant. Yeah. the kids, Whoever is calling these restaurants for you <laughs> is, is is really is not doing the job. And they
1: call up and they go, he made Knocked Up in 2007. I don't know if you saw it. You...
0: you Okay, do I have to read your cre- Are you having a, a, a moment of, of uh, confidence crisis that I have to read your credits for you? But I remember I, I going, going to see the Clippers
1: with Shanling, right? So we were walking in the Clippers game, and Shanling always said he had the perfect level of celebrity because in a whole night of the Clippers game, three people walked up to him, you know, in a stadium, and each one could not have been happier to talk to him. No one else said a word to him. Right. And he said, Judd. This is what you want it to be.
0: Right. Right there. I would say it's similar for me. Yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes it's so funny. People in civilian life have, or your officers, they don't live in L.A., they don't have any clue. They think every celebrity knows each other. They think if you're famous, every one of us is Michael Jackson in 1985. That, you yeah. know, we're just, <laughs> I have, that if I had children, I'd have to put a, a blanket over them because, <laughs> because everyone would be taking pictures of them. And I, I, I saw can't. that, by the way, at the mall in Vegas. So what? Michael Jackson run
1: through the mall in Caesar's Palace oh, with oh. one of his kids covered in uh,
0: uh, right Ver- sort of, what ha- <laughs> <laughs> it was like a beekeeper thing yeah it was hysterical I remember there was, was a, a head on the masks there was an episode of Eastbound and Down I loved yeah. that show mm-hmm. Danny McBride. And he gets like the slightest job in show business, like an announcer on a local radio, a sports announcer, on the local TV station. And the next day he's got his kids wearing those Michael Jackson things. It was like the ultimate fame went to his head too fast. Club Random is supported by Zip Recruiter. According to the latest research, 90% of employers plan to make enhancing the employee experience a top priority in 2022. After all, a happy workplace is the key to attracting and keeping great employees, especially if they're working out of their kitchen. Uh, There are so many ways employers can make employees happier, make them feel more valued and ask them questions. Never about their tits, of course. Focus on company culture. Offer more learning opportunities allow for more flexibility in schedule and attire, and show empathy and value. Again, nothing about the body. And if you need to add more employees to your team, there's ZipRecruiter. Their matching technology helps you find the right people for your roles fast. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ziprecruiter.com random. ZipRecruiter uses its powerful technology to find and match the right candidates with your job. Then it proactively presents these candidates to you. It's like work Tinder. <laughs> you can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply for your job. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated hiring site in the US. ZipRecruiter's technology is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Leaves the boss more time to go. Find the right employees for your workplace with ZipRecruiter. Try it for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash random. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash R-A-N-D-O-M. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, did you know HBO Max has podcasts? I'm on my podcast, doing an ad for a podcast about shows on my network, HBO. Wow, my head hurts. Now go even deeper inside your favorite shows with Audio companions to some of the most groundbreaking and award-winning shows from HBO and HBO Max. Check out the latest podcast offerings from HBO Max wherever you get your podcasts. Tune into the official Companion podcast for the HBO original series winning time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. Take a look behind the scenes with executive producer Rodney Barnes as he is joined by a collection of guests each week ranging from Adam McKay to Snoop Dogg. Get an inside glimpse of how this series sheds light on one of the most electrifying sports dynasties in history. Stream now on HBO Max and listen to the official Winning Time podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: But you had George Carlin on your show a bunch of times. Some amazing appearances of... where he really went at some of the other guests because I saw him when we were making it. Uh, you know the what? Doc. I wish I had
0: that, <laughs> that whole decade back, actually. Yeah. But, like, I don't think he had a good time yeah. doing... The show... Because it was... First of all, he's such a brilliant guy. And that show, you could be with three idiots. Yeah. it took the art out of what he does. It's... It, it wasn't for him, and he was right. And, like, yeah. I remember at the time, I wished... He you know, liked it better, but I see now why. It, 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 he was too good for it in a yeah. lot of ways. I but mean, he was
1: very written. Would, like when he did stand-up, he would never riff. He wouldn't play with the crowd. He didn't write on stage. He just right. wrote, a, wrote it right. and said it. And, and so we, on that see, show, we, we yeah.
0: see that in your documentary. Yeah. Because just like you did with the Shandling one, yeah. I love mm-hmm. this, we see the notebook. Yeah. You know, You actually see it almost in his head first, but then on the page, sometimes the scribble yeah. out, for the revised version that yeah. we then see and hear him actually do. I love that. Yeah. And he talks about that, America, and you
1: see the post-it note. And it says, it's a big club, and you're not in it. Right.
0: What did that mean?
1: Well, he was just talking about, like, America, because he he had this bit, mm. and, and he said, you know, they call it the American dream because oh. you have to be sleep, uh, sleeping to believe it.
0: You know what bit I loved seeing? I remember when he did it, but... It certainly resonated with me so much now because of the pandemic and my feelings about how it should have been handled much more internally than externally. Yeah. Yeah. Internally meaning what? Well, terrain theory, which even Louis Pasteur on his deathbed, and he was the father of germ theory, admitted to, is that? And it's not denying germs. Right. Of course, we're not insane people. It's the terrain that whatever the invading pathogen is trying to take root in. That's what is the deciding factor. Mm-hmm. If you're a swamp, mm-hmm. mosquitoes will breed. Yeah. If your body is not a swamp, they have a lot of hard time. That's not saying yeah. you can't die if you're not a swamp. But so um, when he said, when I was a kid, we swam in yeah. the East River, yeah. and none of us got polio. Yeah. Every other. We swam in sewage. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he goes on and on. Yeah. And it's just like, exactly. I, I just felt like... He also said at one point, that c- could have come out of my mouth these days, he said, I don't like orthodoxy from the left or the right. He was like the only guy I can like sort of use as a lodestar for that who wasn't like predictable. Yeah. You know, with... He's tough but, on everybody. I didn't even always agree. I felt like his thing on environment was stupid. There's plenty that, that
1: don't work at all. <laughs> I mean, I went through all of it. I mean, some of it is,
0: like all of us, is, is great. He's I mean, like, the the, the planet will be fine. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're not worried about the planet. We're worried <laughs> about us living on yeah. it. You know, yeah. it, it was like, he thought, he thought there was an like, arrogant about
1: trying to clean up the planet for your own enjoyment. <laughs> <laughs> That's what basically for, for your own breath. breath? Yeah, I mean, he was just like... For your yeah, own yeah. life?
0: Exactly.
1: It's like, ridiculous. he thought there was something about that that it was... Uh, self-centered, to do it for yourself.
0: I'm not exactly sure what that... Maybe I'm misquoting it. So after you do one of these documentaries, are you sick of the guy? Well,
1: that one I was worried because I was very close with Gary Shandling. I had met George Carlin, but I didn't know him, and I just thought, can I capture him with my partner, Michael Bonfiglio, without having that experience? And his daughter, Kelly Carlin, was really instrumental in telling the story... And so I'm just so happy that sh- her family thinks that uh, it is correct because it's also about his marriage. I mean, wow. he, you know, he yes. he had a very tumultuous yes. uh, marriage. They both had addiction issues, and then they well, worked it out. And it's a, it's a beautiful but rough
0: story. I I love the drugs. Um, I love the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Why well, continue? Uh, no, I love the drug <laughs> stuff in there because. We learn a lot about Coke, yeah. liquor, and pot. Uh, there's a, he's on a TV show way back, and he's saying, again, pioneers get all the arrows. I mean, fuck. He's saying, I don't know what year that was, but he's saying, uh, I guess the kid, Kelly, probably was like seven or eight or something. And he's yeah. saying, well, we'd rather her, she smoke marijuana yeah. Then li- do liquor, it's healthier, which is now a fairly commonplace and of course scientifically undeniable. And he was saying premise. they smoke pot in the house on a morning show
1: right. in LA. Oh, that's and a they were sh- so shocked. It uh, might be an afternoon show. I mean their
0: jaws are on the floor. On he's like, Yeah, floor. we smoke
1: pot and right. we think it's fine and we'll talk to our daughter. No, about and the, it. You could
0: tell the, the the lady is like <laughs> Like, how can I say this so this doesn't get on me? (laughs) Uh, You don't really think marijuana would be acceptable to a child. You know, I mean, they are losing their shit. But when you, there's a, uh, you you see him in in the round. Yeah. At one point in the, I, I kind of remember that show. I don't know what it is. But boy, do I see in that performance a guy who's coked up. Oh, absolutely. Sweaty. It's like, the typical coke joke is yeah. the guy who can't shut up, yeah. and and you hate that guy, but it's like oh, but he has the right job for being that guy. Well, who, he's also writing, but uh, he's also manic. He's manic, and okay. he literally he's, he's, yeah. he's like doing
1: coke for days at a time oh. by himself, never right. with other people. It's never social, and he's writing and he's listening to music, and uh, oh. and we have audio tapes of him like singing and screaming and. Uh, and he certainly paid a price for it with a, a lot of heart problems. And
0: I, I can't even imagine doing drugs like that. Yeah, I, I'm certainly not against drugs, but only doing them wisely. Well, one theory was that he had obsessive compulsive disorders
1: and maybe attention issues, and something about the effect of cocaine for him, he thought was serving this obsession with writing and language, and maybe they were all working together in some way, and then it fully, like it does with you know, drugs like that gets away from him and really wrecks your life. But he, uh, I was talking to his manager uh, about it because I wanted to make sure we got it right. And he said to me, you know, Judd, he said to me all the time, I love cocaine.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, he, you know, he, he yeah. did it for a very long time. And, and, uh, and there was something lonely about it because it was about, about being on the road and uh, he had to cancel gigs. Uh, oh there's, yeah. There's an appearance on the Mike Douglas Show with his mother, where his, you
0: know, his voice is gone. Yes. And he was canceling shows because of it. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. that story. It's very funny that Paul Reiser tells that when he comes over to the apartment. Yeah. And then he's, they say when he's leaving, it's like, where are you going? He said, I got to go uptown to buy a camera. And the, Paul's father's like, let me take you downtown. I got the best place. So he goes with him and buys the camera. And they run into him like a year later, and they say. Uh, something about remembering that day. And he said, yeah, I was on my way uptown to buy Coke and I wound up having to go downtown and buy a camera. He was never, <laughs> he was never going uptown to buy a camera. He was in town to score. But how amazing it is that Paul Reiser's sister
1: interviews him. They kept the tape. I have the audio in the documentary. And there's this amazing story of them driving him to a camera store. And against
0: his will, he buys a camera. So he doesn't look like he's buying coats. Show business is so serendipity. Do you know how Paul Reiser's really excellent career started? He was buying underwear in New York City in 1981 with the guy I was just talking about who's in my book as the guy who, the Irish guy. I think I know who it is. Okay. (laughs) I don't think (laughs) think I knew out. I don't think you knew him. Um, I loved him. He was a great guy. But anyway... Paul and he were going shopping, underwear shopping at Macy's, and then Paul's, uh, Mike had this uh, <laughs> Mike, okay, giving it away, uh, had this uh, audition, and he said Paul was just like hanging around with him. He didn't have any, and he comes with, and winds up with the part in oh, diner, in diner, <laughs> Barry Levinson, yeah, because he's just funny in the lobby. He, uh, how did it happen?
1: Where, where did? I think he was just, like, chatting with the people in the lobby and, and right. they just said, hey, you want to come in? <laughs> but, I mean, you can't... Uh, it's you crazy. Can't. And also, you just can't. I mean, so, you know, that movie, for me, is, uh, is a really big movie because I was very aware that yeah. he had improvised a lot of his part and that Barry Levinson and him collaborated on that character. Uh, and as a kid, I thought, wait a second, the actress can make stuff up? In the movie. It was the first time I understood about improvisation and that type of collaboration. And the way all those friends talked to each other in Diner was what I was partially copying with Knocked Up and all the friends and Seth because I was blown away by
0: that movie. Right. You've always had a troupe. And that guy's son is the director and writer of Euphoria. How weird is that? No, I'm saying. There's only six people in show business. (laughs) But uh, I, I'm not surprised about. It. That's interesting that we got onto the diner thing though, because now that I'm thinking about it, yes, I do see that DNA. And your DNA is well. First of all, it's not in the hands of Skip Gates. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make sure that this dies with late. me. By the way, if I was going to trust my DNA with anyone, he might be the one guy. He does you deserve it. Very honorable guy. All uh, respect I, I to love him. Love that guy. I'm <laughs> yes, going to send him some, yes, a yes. pint of my blood as an apology. Skip, you can have my DNA, my blood, my jizz. You can have whatever you fucking want, my friend. I'm no snob about my bodily yeah. fluids, unlike some people. But I mean, your DNA is like, you are one of those uh, people, like, I would compare you a little, although much more successful, of course, to PJ O'Rourke, oh, who yeah. just passed. Love that. P.J., when I read the National Lampoon, like in the early 70s, man, I mean, Mad Magazine was fine for being 10 years old, yeah. but National Lampoon was wicked, and that was P.J. Iraq. Not at the very beginning, mm-hmm. when it was good, too, yeah. but P.J.'s years were, I thought, kind of fucking amazing, and that DNA became Saturday Night Live. A, and, a lot of those writers, Michael O'Donoghue... And, yeah. George and, Meyer... And, yeah, a lot of them. Sense of, and the sensibility, you know, and it, it kind of, and Saturday Night Live, you know, spawned how many most, most of the comedy movie stars yeah. we've had in the last 40 years. Will Ferrell, how mm-hmm. many movies did you do with him? Yeah. You well, uh, P.J. Rourke was one of the first political writers like, who wrote in a comedic after way. Man, after Lampoon. Yeah. Lampoon, it was everything. You know, but then, yes, he was for Rolling Stone. He was their correspondent, and he was all over the world. He was a brilliant, brilliant doing that, too. But, yeah, your thing has a lot of, I mean, girls. Well, it was also, like, the thing from Barry Levinson was there are people
1: who are funny. You could get to know them, pay attention to how they speak, how they're funny in real life, and find a way to put that in the movie, and that's the big thing that I took from it was, oh, you you meet people, whatever. It could be right. anyone that I've worked with and go, right. I'm writing with them or for them based on who they are. I'm not creating a character and going, act like right. this. Most of the time, I'm collaborating on creating right. a
0: character. It's, I was just watching the movie uh, The Man with One Red Shoe. Oh, yeah. You know, remember that one? Mm-hmm. Tom Hanks, yeah. 1985. Probably his third or fourth movie. It was like, I'd never seen it. So it's like, you know, I see these things. I have TVs like in... Four places. I go watch in my bed. That's where I watch important stuff that I actually want to watch. Yeah. Then I got stuff. I have a TV, a little TV in the bathroom, you know. Yeah, for the tub. <laughs> you're, yes, you're right. What are you watching me with your fucking Google glasses? Newsmax in the tub. Uh, not Newsmax. <laughs> no, I was watching The Man with Run Red Show. Like yeah. the whole tapes, so I'll go through the movie yeah. channels, like, oh, I never saw that. I'm going to catch up with the man. Or yeah. I'll watch this again because I liked it 20 years ago or something. How did or it hold what up? What? How did it hold up? Well, it didn't hold up because they'd never seen it. Oh, hold up in time? Yeah. Not great. I didn't realize it was such, it's like, it's the oldest joke in the world. It's the guy who's mistaken for a spy. Mm -hmm. It's that movie. I, I, for some reason, thought it was a little more than that. But it's not, it's cute. It's of its era. But this is the 80s, and, like, there was no attempt, uh, like, when you knock a guy out, to look like you really could have knocked him out it's yeah. just like it's indicated yeah. and it's like okay I see the guy is supposed to be out for the plot to move along this yeah. guy has to be lying on the floor unconscious yeah. but what this man did to render him unconscious <laughs> is not just <laughs> preposterously unrealistic well that's like Batman It was yeah. unconscious <laughs> from every punch yeah. there was a lot of if somehow if you hit someone with a karate chop like from the side on the neck yeah. it was a, something about the, the angle of your hand yeah. would be just automatically put them out and then of course uh, they would wake up and there would be no repercussions from being rendered unconscious for well, a in those scenes time. there would be like eight
1: people on the ground and at the end of the scene as, as the guy who beat them up left they would all slowly be waking <laughs> up <laughs> but not not enough to like go get them but just enough to go oh that's hysterical <laughs> but that was a great era of Tom Hanks because you know he does a bachelor party right you know and bosom buddies and then you know then you know big and he just said i'm going to be a great actor and time after time he just kept doing
0: it till he completely broke through oh yeah in that way and no well, he was great uh, early you know it's like <laughs> the early beatles stuff yeah. it was different it was somewhat simpler but it's still good the Jackie Gleason you know, movie. Remember, he made that movie. Yes, it was a great movie. That was eighty-five. I recall yeah. that was a guy who used to hang out at the Improv wrote that. I remember Bud Friedman being very excited about it. Yeah, the, it was a father son one. I think yeah. that was the first one he did where it was, okay. Now we're yeah. now we're in the uh, you know revolver phase. And <laughs> punchline. Were, punchline, yes. yes. Yes, we played the comedian. Do you remember
1: when Barry Sobel was running around the club with Tom Hanks
0: teaching him how to do stand up? I don't remember Barry Sobel so much, yeah. but I do remember Tom Hanks, and I remember thinking, wow, he's an actor. Actors usually are horrible approximating stand up, but he could be a stand up. Yeah. And he's proved that. I mean, he's done SNL and things. Yeah. I saw a sketch they re-ran a sketch of him as Dean Martin did you see that sketch he's playing (laughs) Dean Martin and Carl Sagan it's like 1990 (laughs) oh it's man uh, Dana Carvey comes in as Paul McCartney (laughs) oh some of that stuff I mean I watched um, the Ben Stiller some channel had it Mm -hmm. on about five years ago Mm -hmm. wow that stuff was funny and you were a kid I was a child. I was twenty four. Twenty four. Do you remember the the <laughs> there was a commercial for a dandruff shampoo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and dandruff <laughs> people get. <laughs> and him and Bob Odenkirk, they did a parody of that. The, oh, the. Uh, the one where they did Woody Allen's Dracula. It or? was uh, Woody <coughs> Al- Husbands and Wives, Hus- right? With monsters. With so it was Andy Dick. Because, as because Woody Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula was out, so it was like it was Woody it, All- Allen. Yeah. yeah.
1: But the funny thing about that uh. sketch, and this is why we were canceled, is Ben Stiller was doing an impression of Sidney Pollock as Frankenstein, and that's that's too many levels <laughs> for most people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't even picture with that. Yeah, Sidney Pollock. That's not a. See, there's a director, a great director. An actor, too. And a good actor who is not nearly as famous as you. Even He's his dead. He's high- even at his Did heyday. He, yeah. I'm just saying, he that was an inside yeah. the town, said Nick yeah. Pollock. And he could still get a table at any <laughs> fucking restaurant on any day on yeah. an hour's
1: notice. Well, he would call up and go, I directed the firm.
0: John, do I have to give you show business lessons <laughs> at this late date in your life? Well, the one or two That's
1: times what... when my kids have seen me try to use my name, and this is how you do it, and this oh. is why you don't do it, is if you don't have an assistant at the time and you call a restaurant and you say... uh. Uh, hi, uh, this is Judd Apatow. Do you have room for two? Because you can't say, do you have room for two? Because they say no. You have to get the name out quick. Okay. And I did it, and I hung up, and my daughter, who was 15 at the time, turned to me and went, You are such a Hollywood dick.
0: <laughs> 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 That's why I love the This is yeah. 40 movie. Yeah. Because it was so... I mean, I say it's interesting for me to be saying this so real from someone who's never lived in a home with children and a
1: wife. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Wait, some, see, there's no children and,
0: here. But somehow, <laughs> I but somehow I knew, <laughs> somehow I knew mm-hmm. it was real. You know, yeah. somehow it just really. That's an opus. That's a terrific yeah. movie. I've told you that before. Oh, thanks. I mean, I'm trying to write you, this. Is where you now. went to a different level with that one. Yeah, thank you. Which was so appropriate because 40 is sort of when you. You know, oh, you build your life from 20 to 40, and then you live in it for, you know, yeah. hopefully you, <laughs> you fucking knock wood or <laughs> play Jesus or something that you get,
1: yeah. you know, and Albert I Brooks. I mean, to get that opportunity to work yes. with Albert. Because yeah. you know, the night before he would shoot scenes, he would send me jokes. So I'd get emails with, like, his punch-up ideas, which yeah. is like, you know, your dream that you get those, and they were incredible.
0: Uh, uh, yeah. Well, um, he was always so funny. I mean... Modern romance was for comics that sort of like shorthand movie yeah. that we would just do lines from, which yeah. I'm sure loads of people do. Yeah. With your movies, I mean, super bad, and I've heard mm-hmm. all those kind of you know stuff that comes back. But in the future, since you have this terrible esteem problem yeah. and this horrible uh, person booking you <laughs> uh, reservations, in the future, just say. I'm Maud Apatow's father. Well, you know what I happened. Isn't that the reason to have children, so I, they can I, help I, you when you're this washed-up
1: loser? I, this is how I know that it's my time has passed. Is I was I go on Twitter and I Your see time
0: is not past. <laughs>
1: what the fuck? But I'm on Twitter and I see that my oh. name is trending. My name has never trended on Twitter. And I look it up, and the first person is, says, uh, "I just found out Maud Apatow's dad is." Judd Apatow. And then the next tweet is, who the fuck is Judd Apatow? And then the next tweet is, he's a a director. And then the guy responds, I don't know the name of every nerdy fucking director. And I was trending because people were debating that they didn't know who I was.
0: Again, I can only I can only say your publisher I'm sure she's a perfectly wonderful person. I feel like this is not appropriate. Do I have to like list all the things from freaks and geeks that you did and then uh, cable guy I love and Anchorman. Have you just did Anchorman? People just say hi, anchorman guy. <laughs> just, you don't have to leave, and then you know. I'm gonna get your super to do my my reservations. Oh, you know, I even mentioned my favorite movie of all is Walk Hard. As far as just <laughs> losing it, yeah, just laughing. We like that one. Oh, although when
1: Walk Hard came out, oh, it did not open, as they say. It did? made 2.9 million opening weekend, which is not what they were hoping for. I, my daughter watched me take the call when I found out that it didn't make money. And she said the look
0: on my face scarred her for the rest of her life. <laughs> Just seeing Dad fall apart. But I'm sure everyone now has seen it. Yeah. Sometimes it takes a while and you see it on cable. And it's whenever a, there's a new music biopic, everyone also, watches Walk well, you know what? Jack Rollins mm-hmm. was Woody Allen's manager, yes. you know, the famous Rollins and Jaffe, and many other esteemed clients, and you know, when he was starting, he was telling his jokes at the Greenwich Village bottom line, or one of those clubs down yeah. there, Cafe Wa, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Hullabaloo <laughs> Club, you know, whatever it was, it was mostly folk music, and mm. it's like early 60s, and uh, somebody said to him, Jack, you know, he goes up there every night, and he bombs, no one's laughing, and Jack said, they're wrong. Sometimes they're wrong. Yeah. You know? You so sometimes, sometimes, it just, sometimes it just takes yeah. a while. Yeah. Well, that it's, is true. Things bubble up that you're surprised.
1: Oh, I mean, like, Harold and Mod is a movie that got killed when it came out. I and mean, uh, Bubble. Yeah. well my new movie. Are we promoting You know, I mean, I, think-, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think... I don't think I have to prove to anybody that I am doing this thing without any sort of... Uh, preparation or so. Like, I don't, I I barely know who's here. I knew you were coming, of course, at some point. No, I knew it was today, but um, I've been excited about it ever since. But you have, they told me, (laughs) let's get to the plug. You have a movie and you're a big time director, assistant. Bubble, is it called? It's called? The Bubble. The Bubble. Yes. Okay, so this means the pandemic
1: bubble? Well, it's about a group of actors trying to make a flying dinosaur action movie during oh, the pandemic in a lockdown right. in London. So, I read
0: about this somewhere. So they're
1: all stuck in the hotel, having a nervous breakdown, because they can't leave. They're only allowed to shoot the movie, and as it falls apart, the studio won't let them leave. And it's Keegan-Michael Key, and oh. Fred Armisen, Kate oh. McKinnon, and Leslie Mann, and... Uh, yeah, that's another not, thing um, you
0: do great is cast. You know, not that it's not your script yeah. and your touch, but like, you know, the people when you with Jim Carrey, it's hard to lose yeah. with Jim Carrey in that role, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh Ben Stiller, you know, uh Will Ferrell, you uh they once asked uh, Sparky Anderson when he was a uh, manager of the Reds like what his secret to managing was and he said I write Pete Rose's name on the lineup card. That's
1: right. Yeah. Well, th- that's so Some true. Some of it, Especially right? with this one, because I thought, oh, this is almost like a Christopher Guest movie. Let's get ten funny people. We'll shoot in a hotel, everyone having a nervous breakdown. Right. And then on another stage, we'll shoot this dinosaur movie, green screen, and intercut them. And, you know, that's, that's the fun part for me is to... So you know, wh- is it like a straight-up comedy, or yeah. is it... it's a hard... Okay. It's like... So it's just... It's, it's literally the goofiest, most bonkers movie uh, I've made. It's not emotionally grounded. Right. It's it's more in Mel Brooks' right. area, which is really uh, fun, because I thought that's what people want right now. They want to commiserate about how terrible this well, has been.
0: It's great that you couldn't, like, usually, like Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we don't hear a lot about him these days. <laughs> we we just get, talked about Husbands and Wives. We could get into, the, yes, but I don't, I'm talking about what I think is... Uh, his unfair banishment from life. But, um, like, he was the funny early comedies, mm-hmm. right? And then he morphed into more serious. And yeah. remember, there was that always that thing about, well, Woody, okay. why don't you just make a funny movie? Yeah. It's like, well, that's not what I do. So... He that never, was he, Twitter back then. He never went. Yeah, behind <laughs> the street <laughs> telling you to fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> exactly. It's like that scene yeah. of thing in comedy when the
1: woman's on the phone. She says, Mr. Langford, will you talked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he says, no,
0: you should only die of cancer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. God, I'm right. But. Uh, what are we talking about? We we're just talking about uh, <laughs> the, for, the early funny comedies. <laughs> oh, yes. People would be like, oh, yeah. Woody, why don't you go mm, bananas? It'd yeah. just be funny. But once he transitioned to, I guess, with Annie Hall, like, Mm -hmm. he never went back and like, oh, you know what, Uh, ten years later, I think I'm just going to make a man-cap one. But he could have. And it probably would have been good for him to do that. Sure. But, so I think it's good that you can, like, go back to just, like, your... I mean, I don't even think I've ever gone this hard before. Really? uh, (laughs)
1: Yeah. and So that's, like, really fun. And also, I've never worked with special effects... I mean, everything I've ever done is just two people talking in a restaurant. So to actually have to design flying dinosaurs and and work with the people from Industrial Light and Magic to make it look like one of those movies, I had never done any of that before. And then find a way to do dick jokes with dinosaurs. You were
0: good at everything you did. Still are. Thank you. All right. Thanks. I could talk to you all night. Yeah. But, you know, I have a day job. I I know. Ever since you got me that $500, I've been your biggest fan. There you go. I think I got you one for five grand after that. And I feel like, (laughs) really? Yeah. That could have been.